Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, Ravens Flock? On this episode, we recap the Steelers game. We talk about the AFC, the Chiefs and the Steelers, who really is on top of the conference. And then we preview the Dallas Cowboys game on Tuesday night. Ravens Flock, let's get it. What did it mean when the Ravens told you, we want you as a quarterback? I told them they're going to get everything about me. You're going to win the Super Bowl. Definitely. Ain't this what they've been waiting for? You ready? Uh, uh. I used to pray for times like this, to rhyme like this, so I had to grind like that, to shine like this, in a matter of time I spent on some light. Oh, Nightmares come true. It was time to marry the game, and I said, Yeah, I do. If you want it, you got to see it. Six. With a clear eye view. Trying to go long yeah, sure. first, and the pass is intercepted. Marcus Peters. What up, Ravens Flock? Welcome back. Joining me today, and as always, is former Ravens wideout Kamar Aiken and the Kid Gowie. Fellas, let's start with around the league. We were just talking about this off the air, so let's bring it on the air. DK Metcalf is looking like a number one receiver. That would be cool if the Ravens had him. Kamar, <laughs> ESPN put up his stats through his first, I think, 29 games or something, and they were actually better than Megatron. Now, obviously, you got to consider who was throwing to Calvin, how Calvin's career progressed, but for a guy that was told – He's just a one one line runner. He's just big. He's not actually a good receiver to come out and perform like this. Like what what is the ceiling for DK Metcalf? Um, I don't think he has a ceiling, to be honest. It's, it's on him. He's in a great situation. Uh, you got Russ at quarterback, one of the more accurate uh, down the field uh, throwers in the league. Um, you said him coming to Baltimore would love to have him. I think it would it would hurt his career coming to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. <laughs> uh, it's not a, it's not a system with a, that would have used him uh, to the abilities that he's showing right now, and that everybody can kind of see. Um, and the difference, I know they compared him to Calvin, but the difference for me and him and, uh, that I see between him and Calvin, Calvin put up those numbers getting double teamed. Teams right. are still being a little stubborn and playing him one-on-one and not giving him that that double-team look. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Calvin put up them numbers doing that with two, three guys on him, and I seen that personally. Uh, <laughs> when we played them in uh, 2013, when I seen Calvin. Yeah, Cal- Calvin went off on us like that with, with three guys on him. Like, literally, with the game plan was put three guys on him, and he still <laughs> was making plays. Damn. There's um, a fun yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the picture online? It's like he's they're at the goal line and Calvin's lined up by himself at Y and they literally put two guys on him. Like never seen anything like it before. (laughs) So I'll say like, I do think the game, whenever they played Sunday night against the Eagles was the next step, right? You talk about how they're not double teaming him yet. Okay. Normally he's single coverage. They're respecting Lockett, giving, you know, equal respect to him. Then they put Slay on DK, and he had a day on Darius Slay. Next step, like you said, Slay on him, and then give him the double team, and then we'll talk about Calvin Johnson. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Gally, the Chiefs, the Steelers. We lose to the Steelers. They move to 11-0. The Chiefs look absolutely unstoppable right now. And I've seen some people talking about, you know, Ryan Clark specifically – he tweeted out during the game, the Steelers team today, not the one that was playing the Ravens and how they weren't playing great, but just 
the involvement of the Steelers today could not be Kansas City. What do you what do you think about how the AFC sits, Gally? Um, I'm gonna keep it real with you. I agree with pretty much the popular opinion. I don't think that this Steelers team will be a team that can knock off Pat Mahomes. Uh, and I say Pat Mahomes specifically because that's the real problem when you talk about KC. Um, obviously, you have powerhouses like TJ Watt that can get back there and disrupt some things. But at the end of the day, the way Mahomes plays the game, the way that he distributes the ball throughout the offense, whether he's throwing it to the running back, whether he's hitting one of the multiple receivers that he has, or going to Travis Kelsey, like Travis Kelsey and uh, what's the receiver's name? I forgot. I'm drawing a blank. Tyreek Hill. Yeah, Tyreek Hill. My fuck Tyreek. <laughs> but Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, like they're top five in receiving right now in the league. And the fact that you have your tight end and your leading receiver in the top five, like, that's absolutely ridiculous. So the Steelers will have to be uh, perfect in order to beat these guys. I mean, they've beaten the Giants. They've beaten the Broncos, the Texans, Eagles. Like, these aren't big names where you're like, oh, like, the Steelers are for real. These are, you know, names that you kind of just like, yeah, that's cool, but you're supposed to win those. So uh, I have <laughs> Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs all day against them. Kamar, what do you see out of the Chiefs and Steelers right now? Um, first, I want to give uh, credit to Tyreek Hill. A lot of people say he couldn't play receiver. He's just a special teamer. He's he's number two in the league right now in receiving behind DK. I feel like Kels is number three uh, overall. So just to see him come in and, and take over that number, he's the number one receiver for them. Uh, I don't care what nobody else say. I don't care if they say it's Kels. He's their number one receiver. He touches the ball more than anybody. They, get, they use him in different things. So I, I would say they're the most dangerous team right now. And the only people that could beat them is themselves, to be honest. Um, if, if they continue to do what they're doing, I see them repeating. I think that's the best point that was just made. Was they're the only team that can beat themselves. And Patrick Mahomes has turned the ball over two times this season, three times, <laughs> which is, right? So, so it's like if they're going to beat themselves and their guy's not going to do it, how are you going to beat them? Um, the chances that you're going to outscore them like the Raiders did in the one win, Seems seems tough, but it's a good segue into Steelers Ravens. Uh, the boys played well. The the old type of Ravens showed up. Underdog Ravens have to play defense, and I think the biggest thing I noticed, which is that gap between the Steelers and Chiefs right now, is the Ravens felt helpless on the back end against the Steelers because you couldn't, you knew you wouldn't really be able to stop the run with the defensive line missing, and then Pittsburgh went five wide, and as like open as it felt. The Steelers weren't that successful. Chiefs five wide literally feels like stop. Like, I, like I can't watch this. Like, you yeah. know what's about to happen because um, Mahomes is going to be more outside the pocket, more accurate, better long throws, more speed. Um, and you just don't see that from the Steelers as much. And they chose to throw the ball 50 sometimes against the team without a defensive line and all pro secondary. So. Kamar, what'd you see from Steelers Ravens that maybe is encouraging as we head down this final stretch? Uh, for Ravens, they handled their situation pretty well um, as far as just them losing all the guys they lost. Um, I don't think they should have never played the game, in my personal opinion. Yeah. But the, the league does their own little thing. Uh, but for them dealing with what they had and, and what they had to deal with, I, I think they did pretty well. On the other hand, Pittsburgh, um, everything was in their favor. Yeah, it was extended time. But you had the majority of your roster there, the majority of your, your key guys there, and you still struggled in that game, in my opinion. So for the Ravens, I would say that the biggest thing, get guys back, obviously, you can't, you can't fight COVID, do the protocol. 
follow the protocol, uh, <laughs> but get guys back, get guys back in, and then um, and, and try to get back on track. Um, for the Steelers, you got bigger problems. That that record is hiding a lot of their flaws uh, right now, and it's not it's not really being pulled. Uh, and you're probably gonna see it in the first round of the playoffs, second round of the playoffs. Yeah, the I mean, I saw multiple Steelers fans, and I agree with them. Was win the game two nothing, no injuries, get out of there. But Bud Dupree goes down. That's probably the like they lost that game first, just yes. just because yeah. of that. Gally, what do you see? What positive takeaways can you take away from a, a Ravens effort? I mean, the positive takeaways are always going to be the defense. I mean, Ravens, this is just the Ravens history. We're always known for defense. If there's one person or one group of people that you know are going to step up, it's those guys that's on the defensive squad because they never stop fighting. Um, it, It doesn't matter who's there, who's injured, whatever. Those guys are going to play till the whistle blows. And uh, it, it looked great being able to pick off Ben Roethlisberger and just being able to shut things down, scare people, kind of just uh, – I can't – it was one receiver in particular. I can't remember his name, but I think he was, like, number 18. He was dropping every damn thing yeah. that was thrown to him. I was like, <laughs> bro, like, you're not helping your team one bit. So it's just different things like that, like instilling that fear into your, uh, into your opponents and making them uh, mess up their own game and just making it rougher than what it needs to be. So – I think one thing we don't have to worry about, obviously, is the defense. And uh, it's just up to the offense to get things together down this stretch. Yeah. Uh, On the offensive side of the ball, you know, not a ton of positives. But one thing I noticed was they made a concerted effort to get the ball in Hollywood's hands, which we've kind of been asking for. And it had me sitting there saying, "Okay, now do that with Lamar Jackson. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, what we're starting to learn about Hollywood is, He's not a go up and get it guy. He's probably not a wide receiver one. But if you do get the ball in his hands, can he be effective? He took the one play. That was an impressive run with the run with the ball. Kumar, what do you think uh, when Lamar returns? Do you think they'll stick with, you know, kind of getting Hollywood more involved? That was more of a system thing because they had the backups in. What'd you say? Uh, I don't think they got him involved this game. Uh, the, the long pass he had, it was a cover two. The guy, yeah. the quarterback rolled out and he seen a whole shot and took advantage of the whole shot. Um, I would say for Hollywood, it, he just showed everybody that get me the ball, put the ball in my hands and I can right. show you what I can do when the ball is in my hands. For me though, looking at that Baltimore game, um, I'm big on the coaches. Um, and it kind of exposed the OC a little bit as far as putting up a game plan that, that fits the guy that you got. Um, you've been new Lamar wasn't going to play so it it was time for you to say hey this is what we're going to run for these guys this is what fits these guys and what they what they do well I didn't see them do that I see them try to run the same plays same plays with a guy that's not Lamar you know what I mean so (laughs) to to me to me I feel like the OC got really got exposed this game and and it it showed how much Lamar bails him out a lot in 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 the game plan to be honest couldn't agree more Gally what'd you see on offense um, pretty much what I saw, and this was something that I called before the game even started and why I felt like the Ravens had a chance is because I felt like with Willie Sneed out the game, we would see a little bit more of Devin DuVernay. Um, I feel like they did try to get him the ball um, a good amount of times, and that was good to see because you know that you have somebody there that can replace a Willie Sneed if he's unable to return or unable to uh, go, whatever the case may be. But uh, yeah, it's sort of like how we were talking about the Tyreek Hill situation. Uh, Kamar said that Tyreek is the number one receiver and if you look at Hollywood they're almost the same in stature Tyreek's a little bigger but um you don't really see wide receivers that size on the outside 
Um, you have the occasional Steve Smiths and stuff like that, but those guys are usually in the slot and they're wreaking havoc there. So um, to see Hollywood get the ball and just take off like that, those are the kind of things that we need for him. I'm not sure because I'm not a coach how you draw those up, but you know, seeing what he does when the ball is in his hands, being able to get those yards after catch because this isn't anything new that we've seen from Hollywood. Um, you gotta, you gotta make that happen. Um, and I'm also kind of disappointed that we didn't see Des get any uh, catches because I thought like this week was going to be a big week for Des. Not nothing crazy like 100 yards, but I thought at least he could probably get 40 to 50 yards off of just you know being fed the rock, but. That unfortunately didn't happen. So, like Kamar said, I feel like the OC is getting exposed, and he's trying to run the same game plan with a quarterback that isn't Lamar Jackson. Yeah, a lot of earlier talk in the season was, are we trying to break tendencies? And I thought the Ravens ran a lot out of third and eight, and it was surprisingly successful. They've had a lot of success running the ball against Pittsburgh this year. We'll have mm -hmm. to see how it goes against the rest of the teams in the league, but. Over the last five games, none of them really have a good run defense. Do they get back to the run? Do they get back to their game? The O-line seems to be coming somewhat more together, even with the ins and outs of COVID. So if the Ravens can't, I mean, you saw how many times it felt like all 11 guys were in the box and there wasn't anyone outside of it. Like they, they were begging the Ravens to throw the ball. And Lamar can do that so much better than RG3 at this point in his career and Trace McSorley. So uh, we won't we won't talk much about it, but what do you see Kamar out of RG3 and Trace? Who do you think is the Ravens' backup? Like we discussed, it's a true backup role. It's not a fighting for fighting for the number one role. But what do you think going forward? The Ravens I would, saw. I would say Trace, and I would say upstairs is probably looking for a legit number two. Um, it's hard for their situation because the the style of offense they run with uh, with the OC they have. So you can't go get a pro style type quarterback to come in there and be a true number two, because he's not going to be able to run that system. Right. So they're in a, in a little dilemma right now. You got a guy, um, what they really need is the guy in, in, in New Orleans, number seven. <laughs> he'll, he'll be a, he'll yeah, be a yeah. great backup for this type of situation, yeah. this system they run and everything they do, but there's not a guy out there right now that's available like that. So I would say Trace right now. Okay. Gally, what do you think? Uh, this is tough. Um, cause number one, I do feel like that RG three is a guy who can manage the offense. Well, uh, he can somewhat play turnover less uh, football because he did that in the previous game. Obviously the Steelers weren't in full health, but you know, he, with, he pretty much avoided turning over the ball until that one possession towards the very end of the game, when the game was already over, he ended up throwing an interception, but um, aside from that, I think he manages the offense well, and I feel like he's less antsy. He kind of just does what he's supposed to do. With Trace McSorley, um, I feel like Trace would possibly lean into that role simply because he's younger, he's healthier, um, hungrier as well. Um, one thing about Trace is that when I see him, it kind of reminds me of like Baker Mayfield. Um, no disrespect for anybody who may take that as disrespect, but <laughs> I, when I when I talk about Baker Mayfield, one thing that I always give Baker credit for is that one, he's a risk taker, and number two, he's feisty. And I see those two things when I see Trace play. It's kind of like he plays with a chip on his shoulder. Um, and I saw that when he threw that pass to Hollywood Brown, and uh, he took that to the house. So I would lean towards Trace mainly because of youth uh, and health. But I do like RG3 still having that spot. 
Yeah, I mean, hopefully we won't really have to find out much about it. But uh, right. I, I agree with you guys. Like Trace, they'll probably give him the nod. He's on a you know a rookie deal. He's not going to cost the Ravens anything. RG three can actually run the offense probably better, like we were joking about. But he his hamstrings can't. So for that reason, <laughs> that might be it. Uh, Cowboys Ravens now Tuesday night. Sorry if you guys can't keep track of all of that, but Lamar's in. Uh, status is in question outside of that the Ravens continue to get people off the COVID list and I think like maybe we're not giving the Ravens enough credit because of how well they played like not only were they missing Lamar Jackson sure Willie Sneed Andrews was gone their pass rush literally missing Judon McPhee their two run stoppers like this was a depleted team on Wednesday and they put up a good fight against an undefeated rival on the road so Um, I think this Cowboys game comes down to one thing and one thing only is number eight starting for the Ravens. If he is full confidence should pick up an easy win at home, an important one. If not, let's discuss that scenario. Kamar, let's say Trace or RG3 is back there under center. You know, how do the Ravens get this done after what we saw against Pittsburgh? Because you can't bank on the defense limiting another good offense like they did, especially with Zeke and the way the Ravens run stoppers are out. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have to figure out what Trace does well and run some plays that, that fits his, uh, his play style of play. Um, I don't think RG3 would be there coming off a hamstring. I don't yeah. know what offense he's going to be able to – not their offense. Yeah. He's going to be able to run, uh, especially with all the running they have to do. So I don't think RG – we'll see RG3 next week. I'll be surprised if he recovers, and I would need to know who his trainer is. <laughs> but um, – <laughs> But yeah, I would say uh, to to see them do a better game plan for Trace, like like they they I'm pretty sure they're aware um, Lamar may not play. So put something together. You guys you guys uh, brought him in for a reason. Like you you know what he does well. It's something that you've seen in him that you like. So give him some of those plays, some of them confident um, boosters to to get him going. One thing I would say about Trace, most quarterbacks that I've ever played with, they don't take those whole shots. So like what what guy was saying, he is a risk taker. He takes those risks. That some of these big names may not take, uh, even when it's there. So for him to, for me to see him take that whole shot, you can kind of tell he's not worried about what they're saying upstairs or, hey, don't throw to this guy, don't throw to this read. Like he's just out there playing football. Yeah, I think. Well, Gally, let me ask you, how's that? I mean, you you said he's a risk taker. He's playing like Baker in a game where obviously the Ravens were big underdogs against Pittsburgh. They're going to be big favorites whether or not Lamar starts. So yeah. do you think that the Ravens would want a risk-taking strategy from Trace, or is it more pound the rock, you know, try and win that game 17 to 10, try to limit them? You know, what do you think the Ravens will go go with? Um, well, when it comes to the run, the Cowboys can't stop a nosebleed. So <laughs> obviously they're going to pound the rock uh, and get as much uh, yards as they can get on the ground. Um, but if you need Trace to pass, uh, that pass defense is a little different from the, the run defense. So being a risk taker could be very risky because, you know, that's they're not the same type of slouches from uh, when you're talking about the other guy, the other uh, aspect. But 
it's kind of hard. I feel like you just stick to your guns. You run the ball as much as you possibly can. And if you need one of those random passes where you catch them off guard, you launch one of those and you kind of keep it like that. You know, take the soft spots, hit your tight ends, uh, hit whoever's in the slot, whether it's Duve or a Steve comes back and kind of just keep it like that. Don't get too risky with it. Yeah. Try to force it. Yeah, don't don't have Trace McSorley throw him 42 times outside. Exactly. The <laughs> I think we, we got to give – Love. One of the best things about the Steelers game, I thought, was Justice Hill. Not only did he step in and play well, but the Ravens, even when Dobbins is running well, even when Ingram and Gus are running well, they're missing that pass catching back. The one who can, the Ray Rice, who can catch the swing, make a guy miss, pick up 6, 8, 10, 12 yards, or 27 in some cases. Um, so I think that, that was exciting to see. Um, defensively, though, uh Kamar, you know, Andy Dalton, second home seems to be MT Bank Stadium for whatever reason. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, it tends to be when AJ Green is there with him. I don't know why those two picked the Ravens as their their yeah. team to destroy, but you said it before, like they've got playmakers. The O line is questionable, but they have playmakers. Dalton feels comfortable in Baltimore. And this is like they're fighting for something. They they win this game, they're back up top in the division. So do you think the Ravens can limit that team the way they did Pittsburgh? Um, I think they, they can uh, by getting pressure. If Andy, if Andy gets time with their the receivers they have, I like their receivers, uh, yeah. all three of them. Um, they, they got a real strong, strong group, even though I know our DBs are, are pretty well pretty well put together as well. But for a group of guys, they, they literally take beating their guy individually, personally. And you can see that in each one of their routes. Right. So I would say it's going to be a big day for receivers and DBs. Um, I know that they're looking to take over the number one spot in a weak division area, um, which is which mind blows me that you can lose. <laughs> <laughs> You're basically going to be the number one team with a losing record. That's crazy to me. Losing record. <laughs> four wins they're winning. Today. Yeah, I was say, they not, it's worse than losing at this point. Look, that's crazy, but yeah, um, it, like like you said, it's a big game for them. Andy usually plays well against Baltimore. He usually has AJ on his side, but I would say, in his favor, he's he's around a better supporting cast. Um, that O line is kind of beat up too for for Dallas. So I, I said, if we get after him, uh, maybe we see the the bad Andy uh, that people see more often than the good Andy. Yeah, Gally, what do you see from the Cowboys' offense that could scare the Ravens? Um, well, in my personal opinion, I don't see AJ Green walking through that tunnel anytime soon. So uh, Amari like, Cooper's, I mean, <laughs> no, but all due respect, I just feel like when it came to AJ Green, he just made plays at the end of the game that would Great. just screw the whole thing up. Yeah. So no matter how hard Ravens played, it'd be 11 seconds left on the clock and somehow AJ Green scores a touchdown. So, um, yeah. I don't see that last second touchdown happening, knock on wood. Um, but I do, you know, come on now, it's no slouches. Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, I mean, these guys are absolute dogs. Uh, so you definitely can't ease up on these guys. Marcus Peters and both uh, Marlon Humphrey are going to have their hands full. So it's just a matter of, you know, checking them guys and just doing what you're doing. I do think that we're going to see, we're going to see Marcus Peters take some risk. Uh, I think he may be able to jump a route or two and hopefully make a play. But I think this is going to be one of those risk-taking games because even though Andy Dalton is uh, – he gains a little bit of superpowers against Baltimore, I think he's going to get a little antsy because I don't think uh, the running game is going to be able to do anything. So he's going to be out there throwing, so he's trying to make something happen. 
That's exactly what I wanted to ask Kamar about because I was watching Raven Steelers and somehow, some way, Tremont Williams and the kid they put up off the practice squad, I think Harris, looked mm-hmm. like the two true cover corners on the Ravens. And Peters and Marlon, like Marlon's special. He's a physical corner. He's a great cover corner and he, he'll force turnovers. Peters obviously, you know, is in the zone and will jump plays and he's a playmaker. But it really doesn't feel like those two as all pro, pro bowl players as they are, are locked down. Like you're not throwing the ball in their direction. Kamar, as a wide receiver, you line up against a Marcus Peters. Do you actually have confidence in that matchup? It's more on your quarterback to be like, don't fall into his trap. Uh, I would have more confidence. Um, I remember playing him. It was early in his rookie year. Um, yeah. But coming in when he came in, they, they were big on he's a double move guy. And I remember them drawing up a couple of double moves and I was super confident because seeing him on film, he jumps, he takes those risks. So we're like, just call this play. I know he's going to jump it and take advantage of it. So we were able to do that and, and take advantage of it. So when you see guys like that, they get their Pro Bowl names and their Pro, their, their Pro Bowl uh, status because of those risks they take. Um, the Tremaines are going to play your, your normal. I'm sticking to my guy. I'm not jumping. I'm not doing anything outside of what the coaches are asking me. So it's going to look better. It's going to look more like a great man to man, but you're not going to see the ball get punched out, the f- forced fumbles, the interceptions, the, the things that really change, you know what I mean, change the game. So so I would say personally, as a receiver, if I'm a receiver for the Cowboys, I'm looking at it like if our O-line gives us time, I know I'm going to beat him a couple of times because he's right. going to take the risk. He's going to jump. Now, he may come in and he, he don't take any risk. He just sit back and keep everything in front of him because mm-hmm. he does that sometimes. Yeah. So it just depends what what, Mar- what market shows up, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, you can, as a Ravens fan, you kind of notice, like, it feels like he hasn't played well. And then it's like the one game he did play well was Indy, where he had the pick. It's like if he, and you're only going to have, you know, you're not going to have 16 interceptions a game, each game. So you're going to see times where Peters looks like he gets exposed. Gally, like Marlon, I know is your boy. He's a beast. But did you feel like those, I mean, he he locked down Claypool in the end zone a couple of times. He looked better this week, but cover wise like is is the raven secondary as elite as we think it is um i think so uh there are the the thing that i always talk about when it comes to secondaries and i feel like a lot of ravens fans don't give credit for i think they overlook the fact that defensive back is like the hardest position to play um and you know that's no shade to kamar because kamar might be like no wide receiver but (laughs) but (laughs) i'm just i'm just thinking as um so if Kamar was to line up in front of me, I have to mirror every move that Kamar makes while backpedaling. And then I got to try to keep up and maintain, uh, you know, close that distance because even just one step can get you beat uh, with, the, with a great quarterback. So I always think about things like that. So your, your DBs are going to get beat once in a, once in a while. Um, but I think majority of the time, if you're not being targeted, like they're just hitting you all day, your guy has 11 targets, but maybe he walks away with seven catches. That's still terrible. It's like, damn, they was really targeting you and trying to expose you. Um, and I don't think we see that with our corners. It's kind of more so some guy squeezed through somewhere and maybe a linebacker's assignment. And it kind of just looks bad as a whole because it's a pass versus an actual target towards a DB. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I, I would, I would say receivers have the harder job. For real? <laughs> you think so? It, it, it's, it's too many moving parts. Your quarterback has to be throw a perfect pass. Your O line has to block for you. You can have a DB, a great DB, a Revis, go out there and say, "Hey, this is your man. 
Don't worry about anything else. Just stay with your man. And he possibly can do that versus a receiver saying, hey, we're going to line you up over here. And there's so many moving parts that got to help you to be successful. You can win your route all the time. If I showed you how many routes I've won and never got the ball, I would have probably had a a million in in yards. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So when you look at it from that that point of view or or look at it from the DB point of view, you get beat, but the pressure gets there. So it never looks like it looks like you're in perfect coverage. Mm. So I feel like DBs and defense, you get a, a lot more help. And it's a, it's a little more easier because it's more individualized versus receiver where you got to have a good quarterback that if the defense does play great coverage, the ball has to be perfect. You know what I mean? Right. It has to be thrown. If it's thrown short, you have zero chance as a receiver. Right. And that does that does make sense that you make that argument because, like you said, there's no bailout. So if you do get beat, it, there's nobody there that could, you know, kind of just – make a play and then now all of a sudden it's good and then on top of that for the receiver over the years they've been making the position even harder so between the having to have full possession when you're going to the ground or you can't just have an arm like if the ball touched the ground in any way it could be an incomplete pass so i feel like they definitely made that position way harder for you guys it's it's the famous Jalen Mills where he gets beat by four yards, quarterback overthrows it, and he's out there like, yeah. <laughs> like bro, I promise you that wasn't you. I promise. You, you got to take credit where it's due. Yeah. yeah, no, if I was a DB, anytime, I don't care what happens. They throw a touchdown, I'm still like, that was good coverage. Right. That's the rest of the season, uh, Ravens are six and five. They're mm-hmm. a game out of the playoffs. It's not time to panic. It's time to say, okay, it's win now time. It is win now time, right? Can't mm-hmm. slip up against Dallas. But they, they get a favorable schedule. Dallas at Cleveland on Monday night. That's the big game that could kind of swing. Okay, maybe the Ravens are, are back at that point. But then you do close with Jacksonville, the Giants both at home, and then at Cincy, no Burrow. So, I mean, there are four, five winnable games on that schedule. And the Ravens do this better than anyone else. They get hot late and then they roll into the playoffs and no one wants to see the Baltimore Ravens, especially with the play style. So Kumar, I think everyone knows, but talk about how from a locker room, I saw a bunch of the guys tweeting, you know, we feel good about where we're sitting right now. You know, would they feel better at 11 and 0 like Pittsburgh? Probably, but there's still prime opportunity to save this season. What do you think's going on in the locker room from a player standpoint? Um, they're still preaching they have a chance because they, they technically do. Um, there's, a, there's a sense of urgency of saying, hey, we don't have room to lose one of these games. We have to win them out, especially um, the, this Dallas game. It's not as important to me uh, as the Cleveland game, right. but it is in, in a sense. Um, it's a game they should win, but that Cleveland game is going to be the turning point because that, that Cleveland game could kind of bounce you out of the playoffs. You're those are the two teams fighting for possibly that last spot. Right. So I would say that that would be a bigger game, but they're preaching right now. They're co- they control their own destiny. Like we went out, we get in the playoffs, uh, even though it, it might not look like that, but logistically, if they went out, it's going to fall in place. And they're probably going to get in. So, yeah. so, so that's what they're probably preaching. They're at home for the most of these games. So, um, went out, uh, get hot. This is this, this is the time to get hot. I would right. rather, get hot at this point going into the playoffs than being a team that's been hot the whole year because you get kind of a sense of uh, complacency. Right. And when you're losing and taking some of these L's, you, you don't you don't gain that. It's like, we got a chip on our shoulder every week. We've lost so many games already. We, we've uh, grind to get to this point. It hasn't come as easy as it has probably for Kansas City. Right. You know what I mean? So 
So I, I feel like that they, they went out, they are going to be a dangerous team. And Kansas City might not want to see them if they went out, to be honest. Yeah. Because as bad as the teams that they're playing, you still don't want to see them pick up that steam going into the playoffs. Yeah. Lamar Jackson and the defense with confidence, it would be a scary sight for someone to yeah. see. And exactly what you're talking about is you're six and five, your flaws, you got to fix them. You can't hide them versus what you mentioned earlier with Pittsburgh. Yeah. We know their run game is not strong. We know that Ben throwing 52 times is not going to be a winning strategy, you know, and, and now with Dupree out. So I think that it's, I would rather be 11 and 0 probably, but you can take positives away from the situation. Gally, five more games to go Ravens six and five. What are you thinking? How are you feeling? Uh, I feel great. Um, I'm so happy that the season kind of turned around as far as like toughness goes. So now we're kind of, Coming down the home stretch with fairly easy games, but obviously, you know, it's any given Sunday, so you can't rule out your opponent. But I can confidently say that the only game that really concerns me is the Cleveland Browns game. Uh, obviously, that's a division game. Those division games are way tougher than the rest of them. Um, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, we're tied 2-2. So this would give whoever wins the edge as far as, like, being second in a division mm -hmm. and possibly trying to dethrone Pittsburgh. So uh i'm confident that ravens could win out but you know it all depends on what goes on we can't have any more covid scares and different things like that just some of these unpredictable aspects that will play into it um but if everything's cool everybody's healthy uh we can't we don't take any more drastic injuries i do think that we can win out and be in good position heading into the playoffs yeah, I like what you said, kind of turn the corner from a physicality, old Raven style. We said this team mentally, physically, maybe a little softer than we're used to, but they yeah. came out, they played a good game. Uh, last thing, Kumar, because you mentioned that you thought maybe the Ravens shouldn't have played the game. Um, and the NFL does clearly they'll do anything that it takes to not cancel a game. I'm sure we'll find out at a later point why. I'm sure it's TV money or, you know, it's something with money. We know that because yeah. – them like it made no sense to play the game not even to get like even though Lamar wouldn't have played it just made no sense you had a positive test on the day of the game um let's fast forward mid-January AFC playoffs Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs get COVID what what are we doing we're forcing them to play without Mahomes we're we're pushing mm. it back till he can play like <laughs> what what do you think the NFL would do at that point a okay. playoff game I think they will move the game. I think they didn't move this game uh, for Lamar being out because of their record. I feel like if both these teams had a better record, if, if Baltimore had a better record, they would have moved it and said, no, yeah. we got to give them a better chance. But because they're kind of in that mid-pack, mid they're going to kind of be like, okay, well, you just got to figure it out, get somebody else in. No different basketball-wise. I feel like if LeBron or one of those guys would have got COVID during the, they would have stopped the whole thing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Anybody else would have got it, sent them home. Uh, you out of the playoffs, but if LeBron or one of those key key figure guys would have got you know got it during that time, I think yeah. they would have postponed it and moved it. So yeah. it, I, I feel like it depends on who you are. If it's a Le'Veon Bell that gets it, they're not gonna you know <laughs> move the game. But if it's right. a Patrick Mahomes, I don't think a Tyreek Hill misses that they're, they're rescheduled. But if yeah. a Patrick Mahomes misses, I think they're rescheduled. Right, it, it's the guys, LeBron, like you said, Patrick yeah. Mahomes, anyone else. The game goes on. We saw that in Denver. They, they, they were not moving that Denver game. They said, Broncos, you're three and eight. You put a practice squad wide receiver. Kumar, you have any experience throwing the rock? Like you think you could have jumped in there? 
Uh, no, I wouldn't even put myself in that situation. And, and to be honest, <laughs> as, as, as a receiver, I would have been pissed to, yeah. to know that I got to go into a game and play with a guy that I know is not a quarterback. And we are still being evaluated. Like they're mm-hmm. still judging us. They're still looking right. at us. You know what I mean? And even to talk about that Denver situation, their quality control guy, he was a quarterback for me in college. Um, oh, yeah, really? Rob, yeah, the guy so they wanted some, to, the coach the, they the wanted guy, to start. Yes. <laughs> the coach they wanted to start. He was a, he played with me all my years at UCF. He played quarterback and then they moved him to receiver. Um, yeah. That's <laughs> so it was interesting to see them say like, hey, we're just going to throw him in there. And he's just going to be the starter because right. he never, he never played in the league. He, he finished his college career, went on to be a GA for the team uh, and did, went right into coaching really. So for them to, to to be so confident and say, hey, we wanted to start this guy, right. it, it, it was pretty crazy and pretty desperate, in my opinion, because uh, yeah. you got guys out here that's working out every day. You're trying to tell me you couldn't find one quarterback right. to right. come in and, and hand the ball off. Right. So I guess the one positive takeaway for the Broncos and Hinton is that they put up three points and Tom Brady and the Bucks put up three points against the Saints. So I would just <laughs> hold on to that shit for the rest of my life. <laughs> Different for styles, sure. <laughs> but same output. So you can't knock them for that. No, nah, for sure. All right, Ravens flock. We'll be back next week. We've been off schedule because honestly, the Ravens have been off schedule and it's just been wacky times, but the Ravens will get back on track. That's our promise, our guarantee. And we'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.